And we're back. This is Mike Cerner from Danger and Play and Gorilla Mindset with another podcast. It has been busy and I am tired. But hey, you guys love the podcast and you know the deal. I'm going to do them even if I'm a little tired, man. Still got to do them. You got to stay busy all the time. Why? Because when you got momentum, you got to keep momentum. The podcast has been growing. Uh, I'm not, not sure what happened. Maybe... Maybe some of you have been giving me links or sharing, but I have no idea. But uh, listens have gone way up. Thank you very much. Uh, ratings are up. Everything is up. So that's the thing, man. You got to keep getting momentum. I, I always get that question. Mike, Mike, how, you know, you're on fire, man. And that's great. I, I love hearing that. It's flattering. But I work harder, <laughs> work harder now than before I had momentum. Because what people don't realize is once you lose momentum, it's hard to get back going. So the harder you work, the the harder you work. And I didn't trip over my words. The harder you work, the harder you work. Because the harder you work, you get that momentum. And then you keep working harder because you don't want to lose the momentum. Which kind of brings me to a quick question someone had, which is, what do you do to relax? And you know, I'd love to tell you guys, I have a whole protocol and I do saunas and cold showers, hot water therapy, contrast therapy, massages. But... For the most part, I get sick about every three months because I do all the massages and relaxation meditation, but I push my body so hard that it breaks down about every, I don't know, three months. So do as I say, not as I do. Take care of yourself. Today we're going to talk about every mistake and regret in my life, what it had in common. And I wish I'd have known this when I was younger. Kind of did, but kind of didn't. And that is look for the cracks. Cracks. What do I mean by cracks? Have you ever noticed a sidewalk and you look at the concrete and you see little tiny cracks and then maybe you see a little sprout, a little weed coming through it? Ten years later, those cracks are bigger and they get bigger and eventually they're huge and the concrete splits. You got to find cracks in your life and especially in the people that you let into your life and the activities you engage in, right? But the people especially because people don't change. I had a whole podcast on that. People don't change. People go, Mike, but I know one guy who didn't change, who did change. But listen, you know why I'm right all the time? Well, I'm not right all the time, but most of the time because I found rules that more than random chance would be right. High probability rules. Remember we've talked about how life is like a game of luck. And you're in control of some things, but not most things. So when you find rules you want to play the high probability rules the ones that are going to be right more often than they'll be wrong the ones that'll be right more than random luck so if you just apply the rule like an iron fist people don't change you are going to have way more better things in your life than if you didn't apply that rule you know what i'm saying if you apply the rule well people do change (laughs) your life is a mess right that we know that's one extreme oh yeah people change you're going to be so manipulated and used by every freaking parasite and by every predator, by every sociopath, by every loser, because, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll change. Oh, my God. I promise. I promise. Oh, I don't know. I'm so sorry. And then you say, oh, yeah, people change. People change. No, they don't. The extreme, which is I apply, is people don't change. Now, the middle would be, well, people sometimes change. Great. So you're going to use energy and time on people who probably won't change but what's your upside right so i was thinking about this as i was walking around to kind of explain the rules and when you use an exception to a rule 
But the rule is people don't change. In life, you make bets based on the higher probability moves. Same thing in a poker, casino, life is like that. There's so much luck in life. You always play the high probability moves, the high probability rules, okay? Well, when do you use an exception to the rule? When the upside is, say, 10 times what playing the rule would be. So maybe there's a person that you don't like to be around because maybe you think that's a bad person, right? And the person says, I change. I promise you I'll change. Well, if that person changes, are you going to have a 10x upside? Are you going to have an upside that is going to outweigh the risk of if they don't change? Usually you don't. Usually what happens is the person says, I'll change. And even if they changed, your life would maybe be like a little bit better, but it wouldn't be 10 times better. So you only bet against the market when your upside is, is crazy odds. I, I call it, my life is the big short. I don't know how many of you watched the movie, The Big Short, but it's fantastic. Everybody should watch it. The Big Short. That's the film title based on Michael Lewis's award-winning, best-selling book by the same title, The Big Short. And you, it talks about the housing crisis, so I can't spoil it. I mean, I lived through it. Most of you who are alive lived through it. Maybe you weren't paying attention. But everybody said, oh, the housing is going to go up. Housing is going to go up. Housing is going to go up. So everybody bought housing, right? But some people bet against the housing. But when they bet against housing, which, you know, history said, housing always goes up. So if you're, if you're betting against that general rule, right, the general rule would be housing always goes up. But if you bet against it, as they did, the odds were like 100 to 1, 200 to 1. So their upside was, was massive, okay? So I called my life kind of like the big short. I made a conscious decision years ago that I was just going to be share my views on the world. What I learned is that if your views on the world are even a little bit not feminist or could be construed as a little bit whatever the ism is or the ist is of the day, then you're not going to really have much of a career as a lawyer because they will hold that against you and it's going to be hard. So I did law and I did writing until I could build my writing up good enough that I, I decided to do a little bit more controversial. And then as my writing got better, I said, all right, I'm going to go all in. All in. Big short. I bet against politically correct culture. I said, I don't, you know, this is, I talk to people. People in real life agree with me. So why is it that people in real life agree with me, but they're afraid to say it or even afraid to have my name on the letterhead? You know, there's all these guys, they, my haters obsess over, you know, you said you were a lawyer, but when I do searches for you, you know, I can't find your name on stuff. Well, no kidding. Because I'm, a, I was controversial. You, if you put my name on anything, and the judge's little law clerk Google's, they Google your lawyer, right? They Google that. That is not a good look for my clients, and it wasn't a good look for lawyers I worked with. So they're like, "Well, they're like, can I, why can't, can I find this?" Well, no kidding, idiot. Because I will, my clients would have, they would get held, held against, right? Because if the clerks don't like me because they think I'm a whatever, then unconsciously that's going to influence their decisions. But so and that's just before I was even real controversial like I am now. It's like, well, you know what? I'm going to make a bet. And what is the upside? The upside is I was the first to market. I was the original guy who just went anti-SJW, anti-feminist, pro-masculinity, and pro-free speech. So I built up this huge little niche that no one else could occupy. So there had been a lot of anti-feminists before. And there had been a lot, you know, pickup artists there had been. But I never did pickup artistry anyway. But there was a lot of sort of anti-feminism, but 
anti-feminism. That's funny, right? That's probably what they'll call it. <laughs> if you're an anti-feminist, that's guilty of anti-feminism, which sounds like anti-Semitism. And so there were a few people out here and there, but there was nobody doing what I was doing. And now people are trying to get into the space because I was first to market and my profile has taken off. And that's why people are, well, you've taken off all of a sudden. I've been at this for 10 years. You know, I was ahead of the market before everybody. And speaking of luck, by the way, there um, there's a saying, I think John Maynard Keynes maybe, that the market can be irrational longer than you can be solvent. In other words, even if you think the housing market's going to crash or you think something in life is true, people can be wrong longer than you're able to play the game. So I was a little early, but if I'd have been like I was you know, 20 years ago, then I would be hurting. Patrice O'Neill, favorite comedian. Um, there's a great documentary on YouTube fan made about him. But Patrice O'Neill was ahead of everything. Patrice O'Neill was ahead of me even. But he, but he, I don't want to laugh. That sounds cruel, right? It's like a cosmic comedy in a way, but he died. So because he died, he didn't get to reap the rewards of it. If Patrice O'Neill were still alive, he would be the guy. So Patrice O'Neill, if you don't know about him, I mean, he's amazing on so many levels. I've listened to his life wisdom and to his comedy, to everything he did. He was just a great student of human nature, a great student of men and women and black people and white people. He's this black comic. But who thought racism in America existed and everything, but he was anti this SJW victimization, oh, you offended me, therefore we want to get you fired kind of thing. And he was a comic, but he had problem getting gigs because he had trouble sort of getting along with his suits. Well, today we live in a world of like crowdfunding. So they, they're doing a documentary on Patrice O'Neill that one people crowdfunded, and I think they raised like 150 grand. So Patrice O'Neill wouldn't even need to play the game with Comedy Central or HP or anybody, he could just say, hey, man, I'm Patrice O'Neill. You know, hook up my Patreon or I'm going to do a um, comedy special crowd crowdfunding. And people like me would be lining up to give him money. We would love – we would have loved it, right? So he was right, but luck is involved in life because he was just ahead of everybody else by five years. And if he had been – you know, if, if come five years later and if he hadn't you know, died, obviously – then he would be King Kong right now. He would be the, he would be way bigger than everybody in this anti-PC stuff. And again, that just goes to show the role of luck, and that's why you got to play high-probability moves, the ones that are more likely than not to pay off. The, the rules of human nature, the people don't change. That is the high-probability move. If you just say, this person is not going to change what they're doing, I don't like, I'm cutting that person out, you are going to win nine times out of ten. Now, the one out of ten people who can change or will change, they're not going to be so spectacular and so monumental that they're going to take your life to the ten, tenth level, you know, ten, ten x your return. They're not. It'll just be like, oh, okay, the person changed and now my life is a little bit better. But if the person doesn't change, they'll drag you down. See what I'm saying? If you're not, if you don't think of this stuff like, if you're in finance, you're like, God, Mike, I'm bored. Oh, gee, you know, quit belaboring the point. But if you don't work in finance and you don't think of life in terms of this like risk management, you probably won't get it. Follow the rule that's high probability. Take the smart bet versus the risky bet. The smart bet is people won't change. The risky bet is, okay, this person will change. Well, then the risk better have a massive payoff. Otherwise, you don't take the risk. So the smart bet for me would have been be a lawyer, stay a lawyer. And just keep your views to your to yourself, you know, keep or, or at least certain topics, keep all that to myself.
but I didn't want to do that. I, I wanted to, you know, do something different. So I took a different bet, but I knew that if I was right, it was going to pay off. Now, if I had been wrong, <laughs> man, my life would be, be tough right now, but the upside for me has been spectacular. So it was worth the risk. What else? You know, we kind of got off topic a little bit, but I don't think so. I think it all kind of ties together. I, I like to take unrelated concepts. So we started off talking about every regret I made. And then we start talking about cracks, right? So we'll go back to that a little bit. By cracks, I mean people. People in my life, whether they've been personal friendships, business friendships, or relationships, I saw a crack in the beginning. And I used to just think it was a crack. I didn't realize that that crack was going to get larger whether in a short period of time or a long period of time. Big crack I saw was a, a girl I dated in college. You know, uh, my roommate was like, dude, she is just off. You need to stay away from her. And I thought, yeah, she's a little off. And we were, you know, we we're hanging out. And one day she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I was in college, but I dropped out because I was basically date raped. And the way she said it was just glib. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. You know, if you're really date raped, I, I don't expect you to break down in tears, but it was just brought up like a very glib, nonchalant. And I go, that's real weird, right? But you know what I did? Because I was just a horny, dumb college kid with whatever. Just horny, dumb college kid. What are you going to do? And I went. And before I grabbed the condom and put it on to have sex through, there was like this deep voice in my head. was like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, as you know, if you've been listening in for a long time, I did it. And I ended up, you know, five years of my life in a fight for my freedom, fight to stay out of prison, I was arrested by you know federal marshals because I was at a job and they wanted to, they wanted me to get fired from my job. So it was a mess, right? Well, I knew there was something off about her. There was a crack. It wasn't huge, but there was eh. well. Looking back now, I know that that was a huge crack. That wasn't a little one, but even based on my limited twenty-one or twenty-two or whatever years of my life, yeah, there was a crack. Something was a little off. You've probably had that happen too with people You're like ah, there's just. There's just something a little off. That's a little crack. Okay, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse either like an earthquake and it's going to shatter or over a period of time. Right? Another example is, you know, I've dated a few girls in my time. You know, one of the girls I'm dating is cool in some ways, but she's just not that into sex. All right? And I'm like, ah, well, whatever, but it's okay. It isn't really what I wanted sexually, but it was, ah, all right. But that's a crack. Now, what do you suppose happens when you're with that person longer. Well, that person isn't going to become more into sex. You know, it's just not going to happen. That, that is reality. Okay. I've dated girls who, you know, they drank too much. And I'm like, all right, I don't like a drunk girl. And a lot of girls have in America, especially if they have alcoholism, I, I overstate it and say 50% of women are alcoholics, but a lot aren't where, you know, I, I saw, I was at a uh, wedding, friend's wedding the other day. And I saw a girl like pull up and her and her boyfriend got in a fight and she was on the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> she was just a, a drunken retard who got so drunk she had no control and no capacity to think or reason and the guy wasn't beating her or anything he was just like all right like what is going on she had just a little a drunken meltdown now if i'm this guy because i have perspective now i'd be like all right bro that's not a crack because what's going to happen is he's going to break up with her they're going to get a big fight he's going to say you got drunk and you're an idiot She's going, but I love you, baby, so much. Please, I'll do anything. I'll change. I'm sorry. That was just one night. I'm uh, whatever. And she'll say whatever, whatever I'll say to keep him. And like a dummy, 
he's gonna be like, oh yeah, people change. No, they don't. She's a drunk retard. Reality. Okay, if you're losing capacity of yourself and you're just laying on a freaking parking lot or by the side of the road, I've seen it many times when I would go out, go outside and girls are just crying on the sidewalk because they drink. Okay, that is a retard. That is a low level, low consciousness person. That isn't going to become a high consciousness person. You're dealing with an inferior being there, okay? It isn't going to get better. Now, what's going to happen? This guy gets in this relationship with a girl. Well, maybe she has a meltdown every couple months, right? Well, after two, three years together, you're talking eight, nine, ten meltdowns that he's dealt with. See, the cracks are getting bigger, right? And then it's repetitive, and then it really gets old because a drunk is a drunk. An idiot is an idiot all the time. You know, in business. I was going to do some business with this guy, right? It would have been big money for me, big money for him. And right away, he's bringing up like, and this has happened multiple times. So if you're listening in, this is not about you. But it's happened multiple times. But then people bring up like a couple hundred bucks. It's always like some bullshit thing, right? And I'm thinking, that's what you think about is a couple hundred dollars. I can understand if you're a college kid and you don't have any money. But if you're at like my level, that really shouldn't be what you're thinking about. But that's a crap. That means scarcity mindset. That's all they're, th- they're not thinking, boy, this is a huge opportunity. How big can it be? Wow. Let's kill it. They're just already counting nickels and dimes and pennies. That's a big crack that I've learned right away when people are talking anything business. If they're first thing they're worried about is, well, you know, we better worry about what this thing is going to cost a few hundred bucks or a few thousand dollars or whatever. Oh, that just did. I, I have ended like I just and I go ghost on people now because I've learned people don't change. And if I say, well, actually, you mentioned, you know, a trivial amount of money, and I think that you should focus on the abundance mindset. They're going to be like, oh, you're totally right, man. You know, yeah, you're, you're so right, dude. I just, you know, old ways of thinking, but you're, no, I don't even, because they're going to lie, and then it's going to be awkward, and I'm going to have to say, well, actually, people don't change. This is a deep pattern of thinking that you have. This is a big crack, right? Then I get sucked into what I call a drama black hole. You know what that is? Well, light doesn't escape once you get close to the event horizon of the black hole. Once you're in the event horizon, you can't leave. You're you're not in the black hole yet, but you're in the event horizon, then you're closer and closer, then you're in the black hole. It's the same thing with talking to people about whether they need to change. It's just a black hole of drama and nonsense. So I don't even go into the event horizon. I just don't talk to people. I just ghost it. You know, not going to talk about it. And then people are like, well, this person aggressive. I don't care. You know, that's another thing. That's another thing too. Every mistake I made is about caring of people thought I'm being reasonable. I have the right to be unreasonable. You have the right to be unreasonable. We have the right to not be with each other, right? Radical. I don't know that I call it this, but somebody probably thought of it. I just radical self-ownership. I have the radical right to be who I want to be and do what I want to do. And you have the radical right to just reject it. So if I want to be unreasonable, I can be. If I just want to not talk to people anymore because I'm not going to get caught wasting my time dealing with trauma and trying to explain to people that they have a scarcity mindset and I don't work with people with scarcity mindsets, I just I have that right. I have the right, you know, in relationships, I define nagging in a way nobody would find reasonable. Nagging is you bring up something you want me to do more than twice. That is nagging. Now, people are like, well, that's not nagging. Nagging is, I don't care, right? Because I have the right to define it however I want. It's the same thing in how I run my online businesses and do this podcast and stuff. You know how many people are like, Mike, I don't, I don't like Trump. I don't like that you're talking about him. You know what I told those people? 
I don't care. You know, don't read. Like I've never bought an advertisement. Don't read me then. I'm not begging you. You know, you have the right to autonomy. If you don't like what I write about, you have the right not to read it. Simple as that, or to listen to it. That that's reality. And I have the right to just talk about whatever I want to talk about. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. No big deal. And people, you know, people lose in touch with that. See, and, and that's where another thing cracks too. Are people who complain about one thing? They're going to complain about a lot. They're just complainers. So the kind of people who are saying, oh, you know, I don't want you talking about Trump because I really hate him. You, oh, OK. So you then don't click on the link. You know, there's you can't read a thousand other articles. Right. Talk about abundance versus scarcity. I've had people be like, ah, your, your recent articles have been shorter. OK. You, you read Guerrilla Mindset a couple of times. Um, I have the book Essays on Masculinity, which are the best danger play blog posts. I had them edited and put in a big collection, you know. I haven't even read everything I wrote. I, I can't. I can't even keep up with everything I wrote. I forget what I write. Have you read that? Oh, and then, oh, did you watch the seminar I did that I paid to have professionally edited? Well, you know, so I, that's with a crack. The crack is that people are complaining about one thing. They're just fucking complainers that with a, with a scarcity mindset. I don't see how anybody complain about if you don't like something I'm talking about on that given day. God. I've talked about everything, you know, psychedelics, ayahuasca, uh, personal finances for young people, starting online businesses, building your online brand, Trump, A-B data testing, books that I've read, every book from, you know, female authors, Amy Cuddy to Scott Adams to friends of mine who have I've talked about it all. So if you have an abundance mindset, you're just thinking, yeah, you know, Mike is really off the rails with this thing. But whatever, dude, you know, there's a thousand other things to look at. I'll focus on something else entirely that he did. So that's the crack. So the cracks that I identify is that if something really bothers you that you view it off limits and you're not going to want, want to do with my stuff anymore, well, you'd have complained about something else anyway. So I'm just glad to get rid of you, right? And people, readers and viewers, just they're not used to that, man. When you tell somebody, oh, I don't care, you know, bye, what, what do you mean? Because that's entitlement. Or people be like, oh, you know, sell me on your book. <laughs> All right, dude, read the blog. I'm not going to sell you on a $10 book. Well, what do you mean? Like, what, what do you mean? What do I mean? I'm not going to sell you on the book, right? Because that's a crack. There's all these cracks in every mistake in my life I've ever made. Everything I regret doing, every time I'm looking for a way out of something that I'm in where I've just got to change directions, is because I saw a crack and I didn't follow the rules People don't change. They're not going to change. This crack is going to get bigger. And it can be that way in business, love. It could be in your own personal life. It can be your family. It's all there, all right? So that's my thing. Start looking for cracks. They usually evidence character flaws, and you're only seeing the superficial character flaw. The entire structural integrity is gone. That's why now that I'm, you know, I really understood mindset and all this stuff now, like, I, that's why I understand things more like scarcity versus mindset. Real little things, like trying to chisel people down a couple bucks on everything, every, that's scarcity mindset, you know? You're thinking, how can I chisel somebody out of a couple bucks? Where I wake up every day thinking, you know, how can I do more? You know, how can I give more to you guys? They're on the internet, if you listen to internet marketers, they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, if you change your button from red to green and you know, maybe you get 2% more people and they spend hours doing this optimization stuff. Now, if you have a big, huge website and you have a whole data department, that's fine. But I don't sit around thinking about that. I'm thinking, well, you know, if I want more people to 
you know, read me or listen to me or buy my book, I'll just create more content. So today I'm like, all right, I'll just do a podcast. So rather than sit around and agonize over, do I have every tiny little thing down hours chiseling away for a couple percentages? My mindset is abundance. All right, I'll just give more, you know, I'll give more. Well, I want to sell more books. All right, I'll give away more free blog posts. I'll just go write more blog stuff. I'll do more, I'll do more podcasts because it's about abundance and it's just about overflowing, right? That's deep mindset stuff, deep mindset stuff. So look for those cracks because those cracks are evidence of major mindset problems. They're, those, they're not going to change. I'm telling you, those problems aren't going to change. They're going to stay and they're going to get bigger. And then you're going to find yourself in a bad place and then you're going to have to figure out how to, how to fix your life. So then what you're doing now is you're playing defense, right? Which goes against energy management. You see all these concepts, they always tie together. There is a big arc to this, right? So if you ignore the cracks and you let people tell you they'll change, which they won't do, and then you get yourself in a bad situation. That's your fault, first of all. Remember that. You got to take ownership over yourself and your life. I'm never a victim here. If I'm in a bad situation, job, business, relationship, friendship, family, I don't ever blame the person. I'm like, all right, buddy, you ignored cracks. You're here. Now you got to figure out how to get out of here. Right, because I always remain abundant. I always think there's a way out. Maybe, maybe I'll hit a situation where there really isn't. But in my mind, because it's abundance, I'm not like, oh, I'm trapped in this little cage. I'm thinking, all right, you got to find a way out. But now, what am I doing? I'm taking energy on how to get out of a situation that's bad. Well, that is a whole block of energy that I could have used and applied to something big, like something cool, right? Same thing with you guys and girls and you know everybody. You're you're taking energy to undo bad decisions you've made. Well, you've now just taken a chunk of energy that you could have done to take your life right to the next level. And that's another reason why people usually don't elevate their life like they should. Because all your energy is being is being used defensively to get out of bad situations rather than being used offensively to create big situations, good ones. Is this all making sense? I hope so. Um, let me know what you think. As always, post the comments at dangerplay.com. Leave your, leave your, see, I told you I'm tired. I'm tripping over my words, but I'm not going to edit it out because what that, I edit it out. What does that really do, right? Oh, I, maybe scarcity mindset would say, oh, if I don't edit it out, maybe you'll think a little bit less of me, but I don't care because I'll just do 10 more podcasts and whatever dumb little thing you noticed, you'll forget about within 30 seconds. So thanks for listening in. This is Mike Sernich from DangerPlay.com and Gorilla Mindset.